Hallelujah. Good morning. Are you awake? You had your coffee or your shot of the Holy Ghost, however you do. I just woke up with excitement this morning. I just really want to encourage you, if you couldn't make the meeting on Friday night or Saturday night, I've really been praying and fasting into this weekend and asking God specifically what He wants to release over the Moravian Falls region. I'm from Lakeland, Florida. I pastor a church there, and I also travel around the nation, certain parts of the world, and I really feel that the Lord has given me a vision to be able to go into territories and regions and release the word of the Lord. And I believe God is releasing his word over Moravian Falls. 
I've not felt his presence like I feel here since I've been in Israel uh, several times. And I just, I'm excited, I'm stirred about what the Spirit is doing. You are blessed to be here, to live in this region. There's always that chance that we take for granted what God is doing if we've grown familiar and been around for a long time. And I just want to encourage you not to take for granted the region that you live in. Don't take for granted the outpouring of the Spirit that's here. You guys are ready for revival. Do you know that the, the, the pump is primed? You're, you're this close. Things are about to break out. And we talked last night about preparing, amen, for a divine season of visitation. And there is a divine season of visitation that's coming to these hills. There are fire in these hills. And there is going to be a marrying of the generations in this region. Many, many of the older saints in this room that have cried out for a move of God, you are going to see the Malachi 4, 5 and 6 mandate fulfilled. The sons and daughters are going to return to the fathers. There's going to be a unity released in these hills, and I'm just excited about it. My father grew up taking me to the Morning Star meetings, and it's just a joy, honestly. I just I feel privileged just to be here. If I had a title for tonight or this morning's message, I'd like to title it, Blessed are the Spiritually Bankrupt. Blessed are the Spiritually Bankrupt. Now, if you've been with me the past two nights, you would recognize I'm not very seeker-friendly. One of the things that I've learned working with young adults in this nation is that we need the truth more than ever. I don't believe in watering down the gospel. We set the standard and then the grace of God comes to empower us to do what we couldn't in our own strength. So there's something that God has here for us. I'm going to preach. I'm going to prophesy. The power of God is going to come and we're going to have a good time on Sunday. If you have in your Bible, Jeremiah chapter 17. I'm going to begin reading out of verse 5, and I just want to encourage you, if you have your Bible, that's excellent. iPhone, Jeremiah chapter 17, I want to begin reading in verse 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. The heart is more deceitful than all else, and it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Jeremiah the prophet is coming, and he's prophesying about two types of men. 
one type of man that would be fully dependent and would put his trust in the Spirit of God. And he talks about the blessings and the reward of fully casting ourselves upon Jesus. And then he talks about the man who would like to do life and would like to do his walk with God in his own strength. And he, gives a, he also gives consequences for that. Over and over again in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is crying out to the people and he's encouraging them. And we cried out last night and I told a dream that I had with Bob Jones several years ago where he gave me an end time prophecy to the church. And one of the end time prophecies that he gave me to the church was Galatians 3.3 where Paul rebukes the Galatians and he says, you began with the spirit, why are you trying to finish in the flesh and I believe God is trying to warn the end time church in America against putting our trust and our hope in the strength of our right arm and our ability to do this and do that and we've got to get to this place where we confess our spiritual bankruptcy before the Lord that without him we can do nothing in Jeremiah chapter 9 he prophesies and he says let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches but let him who boasts boast in this that I am the Lord who exercises kindness justice and righteousness it's in these that I delight we have in the New Testament the Apostle Paul he said I will not boast in anything but Jesus Christ in him crucified this is the crux of the gospel that we get out of the way and we let God do all that he wants to do. The Lord is beckoning the church in this hour. He's asking us. So many of us, our walk with him was a work of the Holy Ghost. He did something. I feel like many times we'll confess, okay, I know that unless the Spirit draws a man, he can't come to the Lord. So we have no problem claiming that salvation is a work of the Spirit. But many of us have the tendency to tell the Lord, I've got it from here now. Thank you for saving me. I'll take care of the sanctification part when it is God who works in us and through us according to his good pleasure. I'm dreaming of individuals and ministries where we walk in the door and what hits people is this, only God could have done this. Only God, I'm, I'm believing for a move of the Holy Spirit in Moravian Falls where we literally get out of the way and let God do something supernatural in our midst and all glory and honor and power goes to the Lord. Let only the Lord Jesus get the credit for what he's about to do in the earth. He is leading the church to the end of herself. People ask me, what do you see prophetically around the nation as you travel? I see the Lord in his kindness allowing us to get to the end of our rope so that we can say, God, I need you. So if I was to ask you this morning if Jesus is a crutch for people who can't make it on their own, what would you say? If I were to ask you if Jesus is a crutch... For those who can't make it on their own, what would you say? Because if Jesus is a crutch, he's only good for cripples. But we don't like to see ourselves as cripples now, do we? 
It's offensive to our self-sufficiency to confess that without Jesus, we're nothing. When I was in high school, I had a fascination with a man named Ralph Waldo Emerson. He was a poet and a philosopher. Is anyone familiar with his writings? And I was always drawn toward a poem that he wrote that, that I believe captures the spirit of the age, what we're talking about. It's called self-reliance. And the, the, there was a, a phrase in that poem that always stuck out to me, and it says this, Trust in thyself, every heart vibrates to that iron string. Trust in thyself, every heart vibrates to that iron string. How many of you know that statement is completely anti-gospel? I read a Bible that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I read in Jeremiah 17 where the word of the Lord is, the heart is wicked, it's deceitful. The problem with deception is it's deceiving. Jesus Christ is a stumbling block, not only to Ralph Waldo Emerson, but to you and I at times. And if you don't remember anything that I say this morning, I just want you to remember this. This is why what we're talking about is a stumbling block. Because God takes the disease that we hate the most, namely helplessness, and instead of curing us of it, He makes it the gateway into the kingdom of heaven. If you don't remember anything I say this morning, remember this. God loves your helplessness. He loves your weakness. It's this mystery. Instead of curing us and delivering us of helplessness, He says, I'm going to make that confession of your helplessness the gateway to revival. Because in essence, I said it last night and I'll say it again, the cry for revival is this, God, what we're doing isn't working. See, but, but the problem this morning, I'm going to expose it, it's in my heart, it's in your heart, is who really wants to confess that? That what we're doing isn't working. How dare you say that to me? See, it takes humility. It takes a confession of our need for the Lord, for revival to come. I remember sitting in a dinner with Francis Frangipane some years ago, and pastors and leaders had gathered, and they were asking him, what's the biggest demon? What's the biggest principality that we have to fight in this region? And Francis just looked at him. He didn't even think about it. He said, the biggest demon and principality in this region is your pride. Let me give you a definition of pride. A swollen estimation of our own importance. A swollen estimation of our own importance. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God, give us grace in Moravian Falls. You know, when it says that God resists the proud, the Greek 
it gives a translation or it gives a picture. And when it says that God resists the proud, the picture is literally God is dressed in full battle array against you. You want to make God your enemy? Say yes to pride. I believe that telling God how absolutely helpless we are without Him is what attracts His fire. Revival falls upon communities and people who daily confess how much they need the Lord. Let's keep working in the Scriptures. Revelation chapter 3. I believe there's something special. We sang about the oil. The Lord does, in fact, want to release oil in this room, but there's requirements. Maybe some of us are going to have to confess that what we think we have, we really don't. Revelation chapter 3, I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. And the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, that you may come rich, become rich with white garments, and that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and I salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. Please hear me. Notice that it's not the spiritually mature that say they have need for nothing. It's actually the lukewarm. It's not those who have served Christ the longest. It's not those that have been around since the 60s and 70s and 80s and been doing ministry 40 and 50 years. It's not the the young people who are deceived about where they're really at. I have need of nothing. Those are the spiritually immature. Those are the lukewarm those that are they that God will spit out of his mouth. Psalms 36, 2, it says, In their own eyes they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. I've asked this question of myself for years, and I'm going to ask it this morning. Is our spiritual assessment of where we're really at with God accurate? Do I really think that I'm farther along and that I'm deeper and that I'm... We talked about the comparison syndrome. As we were worshiping, I felt deeply compelled to take two minutes and talk to you about the difference between the anointing and the gifts. Romans eleven twenty nine 29, it says, The gifts, the call of God, are irrevocable. Many of you in this room can prophesy. 
Some of you in this room can lay hands. You have the gift of healing. God is a good father, and he gives good gifts to his children. But how many of you know that those gifts can flow regardless of what moral decisions you make? In other words, I could go and have an affair on my wife tonight and show up tomorrow and still prophesy as accurately as I can today. Many people don't understand this. The gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. But the anointing of the Holy Spirit can only come through fresh intimacy. And we're, we're wowed by gifting, but we're not discerning the anointing. And this is why it's confusing for people. How could someone have an adultery? How could they be embezzling money? And they just, they're prophesying accurately. People are getting healed. Money's coming in. It's so confusing because it's a gift operating. God knows why he still lets those ind individuals operate in it, his mercy. But let's not be deceived about the anointing of the spirit that only comes through intimacy with him. And what I believe God is doing in the earth right now is he is asking people to lay your gifts at the altar and come meet with him. In other words, Jeremiah Johnson's role of conduct is this. I will not prophesy unless I've prayed. I will not prophesy and exercise the gift that God has given me at all if I've not spent time with him. We should not be preaching. We should not be laying hands on people unless we come and meet with the Lord Jesus and love him with all that we have. Yes. See, but the thing, and I'm just going to just by example, the thing about what we're talking about is it's so deceptive. I can not only deceive you with my gifts, I can deceive me with my gifts. Because the truth is that when you've been prophesying, you've been preaching, you've been praying, I mean, you just go through the motions. Can anybody just say amen? I mean, la, 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 church and pray and prophesy and preaching and without any time needed with the Lord. And the Lord wants to tear that down in the church. The Lord wants to show us how greatly we need him. The Lord is not impressed with our gifting. For God's sakes, he gave it to us. When I get to heaven, the Lord is not going to reward me for how many people I prophesied over. He gave me that gift. The Lord is not going to award miracle workers with how many miracles they did. They got that from God. What they're going to be rewarded for is how they stewarded the gift with their lifestyle. I thank God for a wife who knows that I'm not hot stuff. She tells me every day, I don't care how many prophecies you give. I don't care how many people know your name. If you don't love me and love the kids, I could care less. How many husbands can say amen? Thank God for wives who see right through our pride and bring us to our knees. But there's oil that God wants to release here, but it's from fresh intimacy. It's from the place of prayer. It's getting to that place, and here's the thing, and we're going to talk about this, the, the spiritual bankruptcy, and we're, we're about to dive in Matthew 4 and 5, but the, the phrase is poor in spirit. 
Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Another translation is, blessed are the spiritually bankrupt. I believe many of us would say in this room, yeah, I know I need, need God. I, I confess it, but here's the thing. The litmus test of whether you're poor in spirit is do you have a prayer life? Because nothing says I need you, God, more than a life lived down on your knees. You couldn't, con you couldn't convince me that you're in tune with how much you need God if you don't spend time with Him every day. That's why we've got a movie like War Room, a movie on prayer, the number one movie in America, in Latin America now, in South America. Why? He's trying to call the church to her knees, but she's going to have to get a revelation of how poor and wretched and blind and naked we really are if that's going to happen. The reason we don't pray is because we got it. Thank you, Lord. We got it. We don't pray before our services. We don't pray before, we got it. We don't pray before business decisions. We don't pray before who we're going to marry. We don't pray before, I got it. Thank you, Lord. I'm spiritual. I've been doing this. A, your gift is operating, but intimacy isn't. And my prayer in this hour is, Lord, raise up a people that can discern and distinguish gifting from the anointing. The Lord wants to get some of us out of cruise control. Turn to Matthew 5. Jesus in Matthew 5, many of us know this as the Sermon on the Mount. I encourage you to live a Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. Jesus begins teaching. And Jesus Christ is about to lay out the kingdom for you and I. And give us principles and again, I want to encourage you, knowing the kingdom without knowing the king is going to produce burnout in your life. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, and when he saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountain after he sat down. His disciples came to him, and opening his mouth, he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I don't know about you, but I'm hearing a lot of bless me and bless you messages in America, but I'm not hearing this one. We prophesy about the blessings of God, and unfortunately to most people that just means material possessions. But how many of you, it's fairly simple, do you want to be blessed by God? Raise your hand. 
I mean, I, I don't doubt that any of us, I want to walk in the blessing and the anointing of God. Well, the thing is, he gives us the key, the notes right here, to how to walk in the blessing of God. And I, I believe that Jesus strategically mentioned them in the order that he mentioned them. I believe this. He's building upon one after another. One of my favorite scholars, his name is Kenneth Wiest, he translated Matthew chapter 5 here, and I just want to read you the first three verses. And having seen the multitudes, he went up into the mountain. And when he had seated himself, his pupils came to him. And having opened his mouth, he went teaching them, saying, Spiritually prosperous are the destitute and helpless in the realm of the Spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's translating what it means to be poor in spirit. We're talking about blessed are the spiritually bankrupt. Kenneth Wiest is translating the words of Jesus with this. Spiritually prosperous are the destitute and helpless in the realm of the spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Spiritually prosperous are those who are mourning because they themselves shall be encouraged and strengthened. Spiritually prosperous are those who are meek because they themselves shall inherit the earth. He goes on and on and on. How many of you admire someone in the body of Christ or someone in your family for their devotion to Jesus? Does anyone have any heroes? You have someone that you look up to, you admire them. Wow, the work of God, I mean, it's amazing. People have come up to me and they say, Jeremiah, let me tell you about this guy. I mean, he can prophesy so accurately. He gives social security numbers and, and he can tell you your address and this guy's crazy. Or man, this guy, he can take one verse of scripture and he can preach the paint off the wall. I mean, no fluff. It's amazing. Man, I know this guy. He's a miracle worker. The deaf are hearing. The lame are walking. And it's amazing. And we list their accolades and their accomplishments and their gifting. But here's the thing. When in the world have you ever had someone run up to you and say, let me tell you, Chris, about someone I admire. I mean, the work of God here. Let me give you their description. They're spiritually bankrupt. They're, they're absolutely destitute and helpless in the realm of the spirit. And I want to follow them. This is the blessing of God. This is what he gives blessing to. This is what he stamps. What are people saying about our life? I pray this every day, Jesus. Are people seeing a man destitute and helpless in the realm of the spirit living on his knees crying out saying god i need you or they just know wow walking around acting like he's got the stuff and done the god forgive me so the question is do we want revival <laughs> do you want the fire do you want the awakening? But here's the truth. We're all 
destitute and helpless in the realm of the Spirit, whether you know it or not. The, the truth is, without the Lord... See, but again, I go back to deception. Why does it take disaster? Why does it take death to tune people into how much they need Him? We're disaster-oriented in the church. We don't recognize our need to pray. We don't recognize our need to be dependent upon Him until our business went south, until all of a sudden prophecies in September, and oh God. But it's the day in and the day out, full-on dependence. Can I give you some statements Jesus said? I do nothing I say nothing that the Father isn't doing and isn't saying. I move not out on my own initiative. I can only accomplish the plans for which He sent me. Jesus Christ walked the earth and He was poor in spirit. He was fully dependent and helpless upon the work of the Father and the Spirit in His life. Why don't you just close your eyes for a minute with me. Now, Father, right now, would you show us our great need for you right now? Would you break off deception? Lord, if we're just operating in our gifting, oh God, we're going through the motions. Lord, I sense many people in here want oil. They want refreshing, but we've got to confess that we need you. Don't worry if your flesh is screaming, it should. Don't worry if you hate this message right now, you should. encourage you to do that every day. Wake up, get out of bed, let your knees hit the ground and say, oh God, I need you. So whether we know it or not, we're all helpless and destitute. But here's the thing, that's not good enough to get a blessing. The truth is that we are all spiritually bankrupt without him, but that's not good enough to get a blessing. Here's what brings blessing. Are you ready? Confession. Everyone is helpless and destitute. We all really need the Lord whether we know it or not. But the blessing of God falls upon individuals and churches who are unashamed in their confession of how much they need the Lord. I'm telling you, God is looking for leaders in this nation that have been doing it 40 and 50 years, and the more that they know, the less they know. 
our, our, our standards of, of church leadership, it's like you've arrived. No, we're never going to arrive. The, the spiritually mature are going to be those. I just, I'm dreaming of, of, of men and women in their 40s and 50s and 60s living their life down on their knees, confessing their need for the Lord, paving the way for the coming generations. Leadership has nothing to do with titles. It has to do with washing feet. Amen. I did a, a recent ordination service where, you know, they bring in prophets and you prophesy to the pastors and leaders. And, you know, the, the church leadership, they had like these sword things. And, you know, the people that would come into the network, you know, they would get down on their knees and, you know, they would knight them. And, you know, we hereby whatever, whatever. You know, we prophesied it was all good. And in the green room, a leadership team, I hate it when people ask me questions, said, what would you think about that? I said, well, I mean, it was okay. But in my opinion, you should have been down on your knees. You should be washing their feet, welcoming them into the ministry, not standing above them, knighting them into whatever we're knighting them into. Beloved, I, I just want to encourage you. The possibility of some of, and, and hear me, the possibility of some of those claps and cheers that just happened right now could have been stirred by pride. I can't tell you how bad God has spanked me and continues to spank me on this. This is a serious issue. This is a serious thing. It's not, well, praise God this morning and Lord, I need you. The fight is this week. The fight is next month. It's next year. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's confessing. I love it when parents confess how much they don't know what they're doing to their kids. It really is okay to be a leader and have no idea where you're going and to just say, I'm just fully dependent upon the Lord. Want to come? Son, mom, and dad have no idea what they're doing. We have no idea how God's going to provide, but we're trusting him. Blessing, 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 blessing blessing he gives grace to the humble but he will get in his battle gear against the pride you should have seen their faces when francis frangipane said that <laughs> your pride what's the biggest demon in principality in this region your pride And I'm, I'm all about the devil resisting us and attacking us, but I wonder if what's keeping us from our destiny is inside of our own hearts. So we've got to confess it. Let me show you the chord progression here. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the destitute and helpless in the realm of the spirit. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn. Mourn over what? Blessed are those who see how much they need God and mourn because of it. 
Next chord progression. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who can walk in the middle of the crowd and confess that they need the Lord. That's what meekness is. Being unafraid to confess how much you need God in the midst of your brothers. So blessed are the destitute, the helpless in the realm of the Spirit. Blessed are those who mourn when they see their spiritual bankruptcy and they hit their knees. Blessed are those who are unafraid. Blessed are the meek that don't have a problem confessing to people how much they need the Lord. And finally, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he commented on this scriptures that we're reading. And he said, the Sermon on the Mount, in other words, comes to us and says, there is a mountain that you have to scale, the heights you have to climb. And the first thing you must realize as you look at that mountain which you are told to ascend is that you can't do it and that you're utterly incapable in and of yourself and that any attempt to do it in your own strength is proof positive that you haven't understood it. (laughs) Saints, you don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to fulfill destiny by the strength of your gifting and talent. Just come and spend time with the king. Let him refresh you. Let him pour out the oil upon you. I'll close with one of my heroes, a man named William Carey. Many call William Carey the father of modern missions. Outside of Jesus, if there was a man that was truly poor in spirit, that was in tune with how much he really needed the Lord, I would say it was William Carey. Here's his brief story. When the fire of 1812 destroyed dozens of his precious manuscripts, he didn't blame the devil. He said, How unsearchable are the ways of God. And then he accused himself of taking too much credit for his labors and said, The Lord has smitten us. He had a right to do so, and we deserve his corrections. When he outlived four of his comrades in mission, he wrote back to Andrew Fuller, I know not why so fruitless a tree is preserved, but the Lord is wise. When he died in 1834 in Saramapur, a simple tablet was put on his grave with the words that he requested. And when you hear these, I want you to ask this morning, what was the secret of William Carey? How could he, preserve, how could he persevere for 40 years over all obstacles as a homely man, suffering from recurrent fever, limping for years from an injury in 1817, and yet putting the entire Bible into six languages and parts of it into 29. What was the secret of this man's usefulness and productivity in the kingdom of heaven? The tablet on his grave reads, William Carey, born August 17, 1761, died June 9th, 1834, a wretched, poor, and helpless worm 
on thy kind arms I fall. This message is really challenging. A wretched, poor, and helpless worm, on thy kind arms I fall. The secret for William Carey was not self-esteem. He was poor in spirit to the very end. A wretched, poor, and helpless worm he calls himself knowing full well his sin and failures. I believe that the secret, the real secret, was in the last line of his epitaph that read, On thy kind arms I fall. This was his secret in dying, and this was his secret in living. He cast himself a poor and helpless man on the kind arms of God, for he knew the promise of Jesus, Blessed are the spiritually bankrupt for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? I want to welcome the worship team back up. We have an opportunity this morning to get real with God, to get real with ourselves. There's absolutely no condemnation here It's not from the Lord. But there's a conviction that God wants to release in this room with a desire to draw us close to Him. And I just want to ask you as you're sitting, just to begin to assess and evaluate your life. Again, the litmus test of whether we're truly poor in spirit is a life lived down on our knees. I believe that the Lord wants to pour out fresh oil in this room, but He's going to pour it out on people that have learned how to live on their knees. Lord, we just put our gifts on the altar right now. I just want to encourage you, whether it's singing, whether it's prophesying, whether it's a helps, whether it's miracles, just go ahead and put all that on the altar. Just hear the writing of Paul. What do you have that you did not receive? Why have you grown prideful in the gifts that I've given you? Have I not given them to you? Why do you boast about the riches that I've given you? Am I not the God of wealth? Can I not give in an instant and take away in the next? God, right now all over this room, strike our hearts with how much we really need you. This is why there's no need to grow jealous of the gifts that other people have. They didn't do anything to get them anyways. Just rejoice with them. 
Many of you are going to begin to feel stirred by the Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit to repent. There's going to be fresh fire released for a prayer life, for a devotional life. The Lord wants to come and set fire to stale and dry devotional lives. feeling stirred you know this message was for you I'm going to ask you to respond by coming down to the altar by the way I really believe that this is what God wants most from Moravian Falls God is looking for a humble people who will humble themselves and put the gifts that he's given them on the altar and say, God, I choose you. And as you're praying, I just confess your need for him every day. God, I need you. Oh, God, I need you. Let's just begin to cry out and pray and ask God to come and touch us in a special way. saying that I'm releasing a fresh crucifixion so that in death there might be resurrection power that comes forth even hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that even as many have recognized Morningstar for the prophecy and the power and the gifting, so in the years ahead there'll be a shot around the world as I raise up a company of people full of character, full of integrity, full of honor, full of success. Just see from heaven a mantle of poor in spirit descending upon Morning Star Ministries. Humility will unlock the resources that I'm going to pour out in the years ahead. Being poor in spirit is going to release my goodness to this ministry, even Moravian Falls. has brought division Lord where our pride has hindered relationship 
The Lord says as you will lay down your pride, I will reunite you. I will reconcile you. Oh, I'm just going to tell you what I see. I just see this pride that's come in to this building many years ago. The Spirit of the Lord is saying that the spirit of pride broke many relationships. The spirit of pride hindered my work. But even today, I've come to you in my kindness, says the Lord. And I want you to lay down your pride. I want you to lay down. You think you can do it better. And you would say it a different way. And you would govern my spirit in a different way. For know that I've set the leadership in place in this house for such a time as this. And you must be patient. For the foundation must be set in Moravian Falls. The foundation must be set in Moravian Falls. There must be character. There must be integrity to withhold what I'm going to send in the days ahead. Do not despise these years. Do not despise these years. For know that I'm doing a work even beyond what you can see. And you will host my glory, and it will descend upon a people who are poor in spirit, says the Lord. Father, any relationships that have been broken, any relationships that have been severed in this region because of pride, God, would you come and expose them now? Oh, I just hear the Spirit saying, I don't care if you're right. Your heart is wrong. Just even hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, many have carried the accurate word of the Lord, but the heart has been wrong. And it's produced damage rather than healing brought division rather than reconciliation hear the spirit of the lord saying it's not good enough to carry my word you must deliver it in the right spirit and with my heart release a healing ball i just see healing falling in these hills i see healing falling in these falls Oh, the enemy is not one another. Oh, the enemy is not one another. See, hear the Spirit saying, stop fighting amongst yourselves. Stop the agendas. Come together. Lord, I prophesy to these mountains. I prophesy, Father, over this region. Come home. Come home. We command bitterness to leave this region. We command the accuser of the brethren to leave this region we command the spirit of offense to leave this region 
You will not hinder the work of God. Much gifting, even at Corinth, as they had much gifting. Oh, I'm after your heart. I'm after your need of me, says the Lord. No more boasting, no more jealousy, no more strife, no more anger. Jones not say did you learn how to love of love oh there's a baptism of love did you learn how to love God, we need you. God, we ask for your divine counsel and your wisdom. God, we cry out for a spirit of understanding. Lord, even to what was just prophesied, God, give us the gift of understanding. Some of you are going to leave this place and write letters. Some of you are going to leave this place and make phone calls. But I really sense by the Spirit of the Lord, many of you will never be the same. There has been a stake that's been driven into the ground today in Moravian Falls.
minister the love of God. He loves us. He loves you. He's jealous for your time and your affections. Sing to the love of our souls. Let's minister to Him. Let Him love on you this morning. a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy when all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipse my glory and I realize just how
if you guys are aware of this, but John Mark McMillan wrote that song about his friend who was killed in a car accident. He was lying right over here next to Bob Jones. And uh, been lying there, obviously, his bones for many years now. But uh, the love of God is overwhelming, isn't it? It's overwhelming. And uh, before we leave out this morning, if you're watching by the internet or you're in this room and you've never met Jesus, right now there's a conviction. You're not absolutely certain that if you left the earth today that you'd spend eternity in heaven. You can be saved. I mean, this is a day like any other. This is a day of salvation. And you just got to call on him. Believe that he is the son of God. That he lived, that he died, that he rose from the dead. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. And I want to just lead us in a prayer. Can we do that? If you guys that know the Lord, just a reconfirmation. But the Lord really challenged us. He said, get ready for the harvest. And uh, there's someone here, someone watching. I know it. So you pray this, but you mean it. And if you call on him, it's going to happen. So let's just all pray. Dear God, pray it out loud. Dear God, I need you. And I believe in Jesus. That he is the son of God. That he died. And he rose from the dead. And he lives forever. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And come into my heart. Be my Lord. I receive you. I trust in you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Empower me to live for you. Fill me with the fire of heaven. In the strong name of Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that whoever calls on your name shall be saved. And so, Lord, save my household, too. You know that scripture. You know? So, Lord, just save our households. Lord, we have, how many of you have sons or daughters or moms or dads or somebody, brothers, uncles? Lord, we bring them to you this morning. Lord, you're the God that saves entire households. Lord, let it be done in this hour, Lord. We bring them to you. You're the God that saves. Thank you, Father. And Lord, just encourage everyone as they go out. Lord, let them bring fire back where they live. Let it spill out all over this land. Lord, bless Jeremiah. Thank you for this bold young man of the gospel, preaching with fire and passion. Lord, thank you. We, we honor him. We bless him. And, uh, oh, and by the way, and Lord, if you want to bring him back, if, if you want to bring him back, you have our permission. Does he have your permission? Yes. And we do want to receive an offering. Then all that goes in this offering will go to Jeremiah, 100%. And uh, so our guys are going to be uh, maybe toward the back doors. Yeah, we got four doors, and those guys will be around with buckets. If you'd like to give uh, to Jeremiah just for his coming to be with us, so you can just write a check to the gathering. But whatever's put in those buckets will go to Jeremiah, okay? And, so, Lord, we bless the offering and bless, uh, Lord, everyone that's come this morning. Thank you. They're not going to go back the same. And the birds of the air will not steal what God has deposited this day. It's going to last, lasting fruit. The Lord would say to you, Jeremiah, everywhere he sends you, your fruit will remain. Okay? It will remain. It's not a come and go, fly by night. 
hid and missed, it is a lasting fruit that will remain, saith the Lord. We bless you, Lord, sending far and wide, but back here too. We'll talk about that. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great day.